so funny. It's breakfast time. Welcome, everybody, to the Real Thrills Podcast with Jay and Eric. This is episode number four, and we are going to dive straight into, headfirst, The Hills Have Eyes, the remake, the 2006 version. The uh, The director is... We, we had a little bit of trouble uh, pronouncing his name, but we think it's um, basically in American terms, Alexander Asia... Or Aja. I don't know. What are, anyone can correct us on that. I don't think it's going to be that mi- monumental of a, of a screw-up here. <laughs> I'm only judging because of Steely Dan's album, Asia, from a similar year that the original movie came out. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, so he's a French director, and pretty much he lives in the horror movie genre. He does. He's done a lot. Most recently, Crawl. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen Crawl. So Crawl is a like a southern movie where there was a hurricane and alligators like started to come up the rivers in the bayou or wherever, and one giant mammoth of an alligator uh, was in a house with people stuck in it, and they were trying to get out. So it was actually really good. Maybe okay. maybe we'll get into that one later uh, as the podcast roll out, but. Uh, it, if 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 you liked it or seen it, it's on Amazon. I was bored one day. I threw it on, and I was I was very much involved, entrenched into that uh, type of horror. It's and you could say and we talked about it. We we just watched it, so let's yep. for everyone's reference. We watched it a little bit together. A um, lot of dead time in this movie, and we'll, we'll yeah. probably get through this. Um, the original movie was how long? I think 83 minutes or something. And like, this one was twice as long. So there's, right? or No, it was like... Um, an additional 30 minutes? Yeah. Of And that additional 30 minutes is kind of wasteful. It's a lot of build up to characters, which, which I really enjoy sometimes, yeah. but a lot of slow moments when he's walking through the town that we were even fast forwarding because it was just kind of like, all right, we get it. It's supposed to be creepy. A lot of tension's building. And all, I, all I'm doing... Like a lot of people watching horror movies sometimes yelling at the TV going, run, run, get away. That was dumb. A lot of those moments happened in this movie. So we'll, we'll get through all that. But uh, any synopsis that you want to kind of overlay before we get started? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, um, you know, without getting too far into the opening scene, because I know we want to talk about that quite a bit. We're talking about, you know, these these birth defects, deformities, um, happening to people because of, um, you know, atmospheric testing with nuclear blasts and things of that nature out in New Mexico. And so we're seeing sort of the, um, the aftermath, the fallout, the fallout of, of that. And, um, it strikes this family who's traveling from Cleveland to San Diego on a trip for, we don't know exactly why they're going there, but they're celebrating an anniversary. It's like, it's a family vacation in a Airstream. In 88. Yeah, 88 Airstream, um, uh, you know, attached to this big truck. And a quickly to jump in here from the top ropes, 
like I mentioned to you. Uh, this is, for people that have listened to our podcast, this is literally Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Chernobyl Diaries. And exactly. if you haven't, if you don't know these references, it's not a big deal. If you know history, Chernobyl, big nuclear explosion, fallout, killed a whole town uh, due to some of these nuclear power plants exploding. So there was a movie that was made in the 90s, or early 2000s, Chernobyl Diaries. So it's literally the two movies cross and boom, the hills have eyes. That's If you want to just like, there's your quick synopsis. Right? Yeah. The original uh, 1977 done by Wes Craven. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, like from- yeah. To all the, our horror movie fanatics out there, we are apologize for going not to the original, Correct. but we want to mix this up. We're bringing in a 2005, 2006 movie here uh, because it's just done better, not better. Uh, you got more advancements. Yeah, they modernized it in a way that I think um, this is actually, I saw this before I saw the original. And so for me, when we were talking about doing this movie, um, I kind of wanted to go towards this movie because I think we wanted to see how some of that horror has developed or, over or time. Or held up, right? Yeah. And again, you know, remakes were a, a pretty big thing in the 2000s. Yeah, Lots we, of movies redone. Hollywood so. ran out of shit to do. So they, they just started remaking old horror movies. And and this one, I think, was the, the not crowning jewel. There's probably other remakes that are better. Yeah. But uh, definitely worth our while to watch and to go over for all you listeners to go back and watch. And or go back to the 1970s and watch that one because that one was you know just as good. And Wes Craven, for all you people, I mean he's he's like a god to us on this podcast. So yep. uh, we're gonna get into many of his movies as these podcasts go along. So I digress. Eric, take away more any more of the synopsis or so 2005, 2006, 2006 it was released. Okay. Again, this is sort of like. Coming around the same time as I think some of the newer movies that had a similar vibe happening, um, you know, whether you call um, Wrong Turn or Hatchet or oh, one of yeah. those type style movies, um, kind of a similar thing, like, you know, this um, off the grid kind of town with these uh, creepy mutants. I love I love those kind of movies. Yeah, this so this one, we're going more, I, I think we're trying to understand that number one, this is from Fallout, but to some degree, I wonder how much of this is incestual as well. Because oh. we don't know that there's any more people heading to this town, obviously. So unless it's, you know, we'll, we'll find out later. Is there this is happening consistently where they're they're capturing these people? Um, we don't know if that's creating more and more babies, and that's what's you know like continuing this track, or or again some of it's incest because they're all related. And a kind of an unanswered question when we got through. Um, how many were there? How many are there? Are there still some left? I mean, a, a lot happens in the movie where you see some characters. We They got names like Lizard and Stitches. Right? <laughs> they, they, they all have great nicknames, like they're a band. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but we only see, I don't know, half a dozen. But this there's more, right? There's yeah, got to be got, more. Uh, so I'll go through some of them. We've got Big Brain. We've got Big Mama. So we've got a couple of bigs there. Yeah. Um, we've got Cyst. Cyst, that's it. Goggle, Lizard, um, Papa Jupiter. We got Pluto. We got Ruby. Um, and we got Venus and Mercury. So lots of uh, 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 celestial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible pronunciation, but uh, I'll go with it. Um, yeah. No, it, that, that was always one of those, you know, 
now that we're done watching it, it's kind of unanswerable. Like, uh, how many were there? How many are there? It's like Smurfs, I think. You're just like, I don't know. <laughs> There's Papa, Papa Smurf. and <laughs> Are there some still in the coal mines? Who knows, right? So as we get through this podcast, you'll see what we're talking about. But uh, anything else? I think we, 2005, two, we got the year. We got the director. He's a French director. He's done many movies. I mentioned Crawl. So this is kind of his genre. And uh, I, I think what's kind of funny about this is that um, being a French director, it's so like pro-American in a way. <laughs> That's kind of oh, like an we'll ridiculous get into that. way. There's it's a, almost there, like <laughs> this is this is a proud movie. All right? Yeah, it's almost like he wrote it like knowing he was French and writing a, an American movie where it's like everyone's like, oh, hamburgers and oh yeah, and freedom. There's there's a lot of over the topness. I mean, there's the Pledge of Allegiance. No, national anthem is said by a mutant. Yep. There is a a, a speech by a mutant that is pretty much tearing Americans from the 1950s apart yep. about how you're just testing these things and, and you you don't care the results and the fallout. Uh, you have American flag that is used as a murder weapon. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll get into this. I don't want to spoil this, but you know, there's, there's some guns used in this. Yep. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that as we go. But uh, I thought that was a fun segment. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I say we kick it off with the opener. So. Let's do it. So, uh, quick note. So, it starts out with some script on screen. Yes. And um, it's basically saying that, you know, from 1945 to 1962, there were 331 atmospheric nuclear tests. And um, that the government is in denial that any of these created genetic defects from the radioactive fallout. And so, you're already in a spot where it's like, some shit went down. And and, it's being covered up. And it's being covered up. Yeah. And do you... Do you when when movies start out that way? Are you like in? Do you like how they kind of give they kind of paint a picture for you? Definitely. Little narrative. So far, we've done two movies that had it done really well, yep. right? Texas Chinese Style Massacre had it. This has it. Anytime you're kind of dealing with something that quasi could be part of history or based on true events, it's effective. It's 100 effective in a way that it just sets it up, and you're like, oh, what? Wait a second, that actually happened. And it's interesting that both these, both the movies that did that were from the seventies, and so I think there was a lot of like, I, I think Star Wars did it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think I think sort of like post, you know, post Vietnam and sort of like uh, more in the hippie peace days. I feel like there was a lot of pushback against the war, and so I feel like in the seventies there was a lot of this like push towards like, you know, how, um, how these injustices and these things that have happened um, due to war are affecting the people. And so I kind of get a vibe from, you know, um, from the seventies in general, that's kind of the feeling. And so this movie kind of picks apart some of those things. So especially in the opening scene, because so it starts out with the scientists, right? So we've got some people there and they're, they're doing some tests. They're going around. You see that there's lots of dirt. It's very, it's very much in a desert, lots of caves, canyons, um, and then there's some scientists there wearing full hazmat suits and they're testing things. You see some flowing water and we got a fish flopping around in there. Kind of some weird green tinges in the water. You start seeing some weird, you know, kind of stuff, but they capture this fish. Now, I don't think they're going to make like a, a clam bake here. No, they want to test to probably thing. to see what's happening. Um, and so what happens as these scientists are uh, <laughs> oh. gathering these samples? I think it's a pickaxe. Oh, you got a pickaxe. <laughs> and, it, and, 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 a, and a giant mutant human, so we think, just tossing 
normal people around like it's like, like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> like it's indicative that the the way we catch a fish is the way the mutants just treated us with a pickaxe. Like Yeah, it's uh, like me uh, dropping an elbow on like, you know, an Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy or something here. Like <laughs> you're just tossing these things around like Oh, and they were tossed around and, and you could see the power of these mutants. Yep. And you get the the vibe you get right away and I'll just say it cuz it, it it lends to some stuff that happens later is that the the sort of big mutant here that you see is very much a Jason Voorhees type. Um similar outfit, um you know, bald with some scraggly hair, a little bit mutated, mm-hmm. um but definitely comes across as like a big Jason Voorhees type figure sans hockey mask. Yeah. No, 100%. And as the movie goes along, you see more of Yeah. Pluto, Pluto. right? Pluto, he's kind of a pivotal character. He's he's definitely the uh, like he had the, the Jason or the Freddy or the Mike Myers. Like he is the like prototypical just giant, yeah, he mythical he, creature that is just brutalizing. And he's got yeah. a lot of anger issues. Like he tears up the <laughs> whole and uh, in, 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 in many different scenes he just starts going completely nuts like yeah, he just doesn't even know how to control himself he's, he's, yeah he's he's probably one of the more psychotic ones because he he's very angry but he's also like he's having a lot of fun with it yes he's laughing he's smiling oh, he ba- likes watching people squirm. he hears a baby in the background he just starts per- perking up he he, he uh, is, is yeah. caressing a sleep a sleeping girl um, Brenda Brenda, it, Brenda so, who's played um Sorry that I, I forgot her real name, but she plays uh, Claire from Lost. So if you're a Lost fan, you get to see Claire. Yeah, Claire's minus, back. Minus the accent. So that's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a nice one. Yeah, easy on the eyes. Another yep. ni- nice nice looking blonde just running around a uh, movie screen for a little bit. Yep. Um, now, opening scene, I'm not going to interject too much other than it's a great opening scene, right? You Happens got, fast. Yeah, you got you got the you got the, the narrative, the, the, the script. You kind of understand what's happening. These got, scientists are testing, and then boom, three deaths right in a row, or two deaths. Four, I think. Four? All right. Yeah, because you, you, like two minutes in, you see the pickaxe, you see them flinging around, you see everyone kind of die really quickly, and then you see a truck driving away with four bodies chained to the axle of it being pulled away through the desert. There you go. And then, it, you know, obviously it's in the New Mexico desert. The one thing I will only kind of overlay here that the themes will happen throughout the, the movie, because it was redone, they did a real good job, in my opinion, of trying to disguise what time period this actually was. Yeah. As far as what clothes they were wearing, hairstyles, uh, to cars that they were driving, the 88 Airstream, everything seemed retro. Yet it was a 2006 movie. Uh, unless, but, the, you know, obviously one of the main characters, Doug, is a cell phone salesman. So that that kind of threw a monkey wrench into my thought. But uh, they they tried hard to mask what time period this is. Yeah, agreed. In the opening scene, too, so after the bodies get dragged away, we see the montage where we see the credits roll through. And the montage is basically oh, yeah. a bunch of nuclear blasts. It's all this stuff happening with the test deformities. sites and deformities. And, um, it, and they're playing this song um, by Webb Pierce um, called More and More as the opening scene. It's kind of like a lighthearted kind of, it sounds like a very country, country almost like a country Hawaiian kind oh, of vibe to yeah. it. Um, and the song is basically um, about forgetting the past, and I think it's sort of like paying a little bit of tribute to like they're they're showing these clips of all these blasts and stuff that are happening in our own backyard, 
and they're showing how they're doing these like hard flashes of deformities that are happening and the songs about like forgetting all about it and then it kind of cuts to modern day so i think it's sort of like a yeah and if you really like dive into the the bowels of our american history and all of these ghost towns of what they call them especially out west they have all these random towns that are just isolated desolate nobody's there they're creepy as hell Yep. Why wouldn't you make a movie about that and just, you know, use that as propaganda, I guess, for Fallout? Yep. I have no idea. It, it, it's, it's you know, there are these little towns in, in, in New England, too. Like, anywhere you go, you have these weird towns that just seem to disappear. Fun little fact, I, and you're a Massachusetts native, but there's a, a reservoir in up Quabbin, right? Yep. It used to be a town. They mm. flooded it. Like, there is literally underneath Quabbin Reservoir is a town. And to me, I'm like, that just sounds creepy to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, I would not want to go in the Quabbin Reservoir and swim because in fear of there, there, there's mutant fish or mutant people fish that are going to bring you down because they they were uh, buried alive or or drowned alive. <laughs> well, I think My we, weird thoughts. I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, I think you're <laughs> writing a good horror movie right now, Jay, and we might have to follow up on this. <laughs> we're don't, casting now. You can uh, email us. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the next section, the drop, and this is when shit gets real, Eric. This what? shit does get real. Um, I want to just real quick talk about some of the characters in the movie so that we have some frame of reference. Sure. Um, so we've got Big Bob. He's uh, he's the father. Oh. Um, he's celebrating his anniversary. He's the driver in all of this, and he's played by Ted Levine of uh, Silence of the Lambs fame. Yeah. He was um, uh, Buffalo Bill, and so the alliteration, Big Bob, Buffalo Bill, um, plays a little bit there. Oh, yeah. um, but he's a former detective. He's uh, wants to launch his own security firm. He's very much um, American pro gun. Um, you know, he he gives you that vibe. His, oh, yeah. his wife Ethel. Um, Ethel's a little bit more of a hippie. You can you can get that sense. Um, very mothering, very nurturing, but a little bit in the in the in the hippie world. Um, we've got the their kids, um, Bobby. Well, we can say little Bob, but Bobby. Yeah, it it I forget his character in Mean Girls, but he no no not Mean Girls. I'm sorry. Um, Easy A. Easy A. He was the one that uh, was gay character who slept with Emma Stone's character. Uh, I forgive me, but I just know him. Every time I see his face, I'm like, like oh, oh, it's the dude from Easy A, Easy a. <laughs> and slept with Emma Stone so that people wouldn't think he's gay in high school. Uh, so. Uh, Dan Bird is his name, but yep. uh, once you see him, everybody, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. I yeah. think. <laughs> and what what you gather from Bobby early on is that he is a little bit of a, we'll say he's he's a little bit of a genius. He's definitely got some anger, and he's an angsty teen. But he is able to fix up like a busted down air conditioner in the airstream as they're driving, and then later on, he kind of creates this um this trap for some of the mutants. But you can tell Bobby's got got a good good uh, brains. Yeah, my, my theory is that Bobby uh, probably borrowed or owns the same book as Nancy Thomas, Nancy Thompson from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. The book is uh, Booby Traps and Improvised Anti-Personal Devices, and you'll see why as he sets up all these intricate booby traps. And you're just like, where where did this kid come from? Yeah, he's he, he's, he's he must smart He one. must know Nancy Thompson yep. from, from Elm Street. Uh, his sister, Brenda, as we already said, uh, who is played by, I can't remember her name, I apologize. You guys can look it up, but Claire from Lost. 
And then his other sister, um, Lynn, who is from Hocus Pocus fame. And Lynn has a husband and a child. Her husband is Doug. We'll refer to as Doug the Democrat, um, which is what Big Bob calls him. And then we've got baby Catherine. So that's the whole that's the whole shebang inside the airstream and the truck that's uh, that's carrying it. Um, that's our full cast. That's our family. Yeah. So seven family members. Yep. And two dogs. Two dogs. Right. We got yeah, Beauty and dogs. Beast. Yeah, because I, I have that somewhere along the line here where I was just like, you know, this movie's got it all. It's got a baby, mothers, two, right? Yep. Uh, just attractive females. You got a teenage angsty son, dogs. I might have already said that, but I'm just saying it's it's got yep. every element. It's like who who do as a watcher, like who am I going to protect? The dogs, the baby, <laughs> the mom. Like holy, and guess what? Uh, you'll as you find out in the movie, not all of them make it out. Uh, make it out alive, everybody. That's true. So you you just have to figure out who who does. So um, do you want to do the drop first, Jay? Yeah, I'll take the drop. drop. I'll take the drop. So very easy to say. We already alluded to it with the pickaxe right in the middle. I'm right in the beginning. I mean, I don't know. You're not even two minutes in, and you're just like pickaxe through the back of a couple scientists. But um, I think it was when. Beauty runs away because dogs can sense something bad. And they're in beauty. The, the car breaks down in the desert. Uh, beauty just gets loose, runs into the hills and is gutted. Oh yeah. It's good. And, and it, and, and poor Bobby, it's his dog like finds beauty and, and lifts up the leg and you just see it completely gutted pretty much through the belly. And I was just like, Oh, and if they're, kill, if they're killing dogs like that, I don't know what they're going to do to humans. So. Yeah, and if you're if you're one of those people that cringes every time an animal um, is going to die on screen, um, you're going to want to look away a couple times. Yes, yeah. Peter probably didn't like what was he going. No, real dogs were not harmed in the making of this. Yeah, movie. no dogs are harmed, but the but these two dogs, uh, uh, Beauty and Beast, are both German shepherds. Yeah, if that that so. does play into this, because you know if you're killing a poodle compared to a German shepherd, we got a different story. But, yeah, um, we got the German shepherds, so a little bit more attack dogs a little bit harder to to kill and much bigger so yeah so i think that was the one when i see a gutted dog yep shit's about to get real man i'm going a little bit earlier for myself i'm going um as the drop um after they leave the gas station again text chainsaw massacre-esque oh um, yeah they go to this gas station we've got this like weirdo gas station attendant there who's telling them super creepy you know he 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 actually has gas but he leads them down a way that he knows they are going to meet their ultimate And he demise. wasn't going to at first. Yeah, you could tell there were, that. There was a moment where he was kind of, he, 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 Big Bob asked for directions and he said one way. Or he agreed to the way that they were going. Yep. And then as soon as they get into the car, he diverts them for whatever reason. So I think, yeah. When when we're talking about um, the the very beginning as well, you know, it go it cuts to a scene of the gas station proprietor and he's kind of bumping around, he's doing his thing, and he wakes up and he hears some noises. He starts screaming, and you're you kind of get the sense that he knows about these mutants that are living in the hills in his backyard, and he is trying to he's trying to get out of a deal that they have. You can he says something along the lines of like I'm out, I don't want any more of it after they leave a bag at his doorstep. Yeah. So he goes in and the bag it's all valuable. So it's money, it's cash, it's 
It's even an ear full of earrings. Um, lots of stuff. So you get the sense that he has been luring people into their traps while he collects all their valuables, and that's the yeah. deal he has with these soul super people. scumbag. Yep. yep. So the drop for me is they they leave the gas station. And I think the reason that they they got diverted by him last minute, even though he said he wasn't going to do it anymore, I think Brenda going into the back of the um, gas station when she was looking to get the dog, um, I think something about that kind of pissed him off a little bit. Um, he didn't like her snooping around, and I think that maybe he thought he she saw something that she wasn't okay. supposed to, and that may be why he decided to Co- divert to cover them. up. Exactly. Okay, so he's trying to cover up his tracks because he's got a bag full of stuff that isn't his. Is that she? Yeah, she kind of sees that. Yeah, yep. All right. And you're in the middle of nowhere, and they're driving, and they're in, they're absolutely like in in bumfuck New Mexico, and all of a sudden a spike strip um, pops up from the road. They hit it. They crash the truck. It's totaled. To me, that's that's the drop. That's the drop. Now you know they're in trouble because when the scientists are getting killed, you're like, I don't have any reference to this. All of, other than I know that some people that are getting murdered. But when you get to know the family and then the family becomes in trouble, you're like, okay, we all know right. something's going to happen. Which, I'm going to jump ahead to that was dumb. I'm like, all right, these scientists are getting paid by somebody. They just don't show up to work that following Monday and nobody gives a shit. Right. Unless this has happened a million times. Well, <laughs> and, and it alludes to that. So they, yeah. uh, more nitpicking as we go, but it's just like, yeah, there seems to be, nobody catch, follows up on any of these people either. <laughs> they sure they sure don't there's news clippings and that's about it yep. and, and we could get into that another but, one goes missing <laughs> yeah right uh so let's let's jump to the the favorite death scene uh i'll go first here because mine's not by uh a human it is done by a dog it is done by pretty much to avenge uh beauty's death beast pretty much t- attacks and just bites the neck off of a mutant. Uh, I I call him the clockwork orange guy because he's got one of those derby hats on that he, he looks like he was straight out of the clockwork orange. Uh, he he meets his demise and and this German Shepherd just rips, rips him a rips him a new hole, man, pretty much through his neck. So that's my favorite death because it's like awesome. <laughs> you know, like, we loved it. Yeah, it, it was it was <laughs> it was it was, was kind of the first mutant death. Yeah, I think so. It was the first mutant death, so I was like, "All right, good." There's there's many more to come, and they're they're all good deaths as well, uh, by a very surprising character. Uh, maybe you'll allude to one of those, but uh, I just like, "Hey, dog avenged the other dog," so Peta now is maybe perking up a little bit and going, "All right, well, at least there's a hero." Well, and you don't know what's going to happen because you need somebody to step up because Big Bob, he gets burned alive. They- yeah, little Burning Man, I think, was adopted by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Big Bob dying Big Bob. in the in the desert. Nah, I'm sure Bernie Man was around before that, but probably there. <laughs> we talk about homages. Maybe that was the Bernie Man homage, a desert burning of a man. I don't know. Yeah, and, but you, and it looks like it, and it dis it, and it stays there in the distance throughout yeah. the whole scene, uh, or as the movie goes along. It's like, oh, that's that's where uh, Bob died. <laughs> you know, that that big burning man over yep, there. That's Bob. And so you don't know who's gonna step up because you've got the family who who they don't. They don't give much of a sense that they're like fighters. You know, they're kind of a hippie family. You got the angsty teen. You've got Doug, who again is the typical like uh, dockers in the desert kind of like you know douchey kind of character that you're like, all right, he he probably can't tie his own shoes. Never mind, he's gonna kill all these. And he he turns Billy mutants. But he, he surprises turn, he you. turns a corner. Yeah. He, but the he, fact that the dog steps up and and starts starts the process here with killing the mutants, then you're like. 
Awesome. We've yeah, got you're, you're cheering. You're yeah. like, yes, finally. You know, like these mutants are are hunting these people. So my favorite death scene is a very drawn out death scene. But basically, we've got Doug and he goes into one of these kind of modular homes that are built, I think, to just like house dummies and to look like regular houses to see the impact of fallout. He's in there. He hears the baby crying and he's snooping around and he sees Big Mama in the chair watching divorce court. And uh, she's uh, brushing a wig. She's she she looks the most normal out of all of them. And so you're kind of like curious at what that's what the only time is. you see her too. Yeah, she hears Doug as Doug steals the baby, and she knocks Doug in the head. Doug wakes up, and he's in some sort of weird tub with a. It almost looks like a like a reach-in freezer, um, but it's like full of body parts, and yeah. it's not turned on. And so he breaks out of that. And he's still walking around, and he walks into another place, and he sees Big Brain. So Big Brain is this very deformed, like, goitery, like, you know, I don't know how to describe him. And for all you loyal listeners, we've already, we're, we're going to now award him our... He he gets our Franklin Award. Oh, 100%. Like, he's the guy that you're just like, when is that guy going to die? Yeah, he's annoying. <laughs> and so he's singing the national anthem, which is what he hears initially. Blasphemy. Yeah. And, uh... And then he kind of goes off on this little uh, diatribe as he's saying that the reason that they're doing what they're doing is because they were forced out of their town. They were forced to go into the mines. They didn't yeah, want really to lose their spill, homes. Spills the guts. Yeah. Uh, this this is why we're doing what we're doing. We're, we're But it's like you do it in such a manner where it's like you're just preying on victims that are like you have all the power and you just murder these people and drink their blood and eat them. I don't know. It's just – it's I don't know, man. Do you have to do all that? Like, he's, what do you? Yeah, just, he's he's definitely justifying something. That's, that, that's a little bit uh, extreme. You're still psychotic, and you know it's still you're, it's still creepy what you're doing. But sure, man. Yeah, but you can tell he's got some pull because he has a walkie and he's announcing directions to people. But um, he's got the Franklin Award because he, you know, he's like just trying to justify this terrible behavior. He laughs a lot. He's super annoying, and he's very disgusting to look at on screen. So you really yes. want him gone. You know, as you think. Doug is like going to kill him um, or Doug's going to do something to him asking where his baby is. Um, he starts laughing and he says, he's like, well, why are you laughing? He's like, it's breakfast time. And then all of a sudden, boom, Pluto, Pluto jumps through the wall and he starts fighting Doug. Which is um, probably what, five minutes? Yeah, they're going through a very long fight scene. Through walls. Through walls. Um, upstairs, bathroom. I don't know. You probably yeah, hit every they room go, in the they, house. They bust a hole through every room in the house. Um, but basically, Doug gets his fingers chopped off with an axe and it's time for Pluto to finally bring Doug to his ultimate demise. And Doug starts begging him. Pluto is now having a great time, so he's slowing everything yeah, down. He's yeah. not just killing him. And then um, Doug, he takes the uh, I'm trying to think what first happens. Um, I know he grabs an American flag. Now he he, he's got a screwdriver. Oh yeah, he's got a screwdriver yep. that he puts in the foot of Pluto, so he can't move. So he can't move. He grabs an American flag that's sticking out of the head of the dead gas station attendant, yeah. and he jabs that through Pluto's neck. Now Pluto's gurgling blood. He's pretty much where he needs to be. And then finally we get an axe to the head and very reminiscent of Friday the 13th sure. because he looks like Jason. He gets an axe to the head just like Jason did in Friday the 13th part oh, yeah. three. And um, so it lo looks like a bit of an homage to that whole scene. Um, oh, hundred percent. And so I thought, I thought that was kind of like a really good familiar piece because like you watch and you're like, okay, that's that's definitely a Friday the 13th kind of a knockoff. Yeah, and, it, and it's a fight scene. It's one of the, it, it just lasts forever. Doug is bloody as a 
all can be, barely surviving. But this is when you notice, man, Doug's a badass. What a badass. Like, he kills, like, three mutants. And you just start- walks right into town and just says, you know what? I'm just going to fuck you guys all up so I can get my baby, and then I'm out of here. And we're fighting back for the American dream. <laughs> yeah, with with using an American flag as a murder weapon. Because Big Brain has already talked about, uh, he's given his yeah. negative opinion of, of the United States, and now Doug kills his partner with the American flag. Yeah, another another uh, great, um, v- not even horror movie, it could be action villain yeah. trope where I'm going to tell you my plan and this is why we're doing it. To this superhero, or to the to the survivor who's going to, and you know, inevitably, murder you guys. <laughs> we ju- we just needed some sort of tagline there before he killed him that would have really made oh, it seal the deal. Been so great. He just needed something there, something pro-American. Maybe yeah, like, he finishes USA, the, bitch. Yeah, you know, or, <laughs> or like he finishes the national anthem for Big Brain. <laughs> oh, he's- in the home of the <laughs> brave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Alexander, you know, you're you're the director. You kind of you, you kind of fell short there. You know, yeah, like, like he should have cheers to Pepsi or something. Yes, you know, like we needed something. We needed one more over the top Americanism right there, uh, coming from a French guy. Uh, but then uh, the 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 best part about this scene ending, even though it was very long, is uh, Big Brain walkies to his tribe and says, "Kill the baby," and. You look over and guess what? We've got uh, Beast. Our, our favorite horror movie dog. You know, there might be a, a, a Beast Award. You know, I don't know how many animals <laughs> really become a hero in, in a lot of horror movies, but I'm telling you, Beast is batting a thousand. Yeah, Beast comes back and Beast probably ripped the goiter right out of his neck. Um, and you know the big brain is, is gone at this point. So, Oh, yeah. Um, Lots of screaming. You don't see it, but you, you hear all about it. So it's... They do a they do a great because I don't really want to see a dog attack a guy that's stuck in a wheelchair with his brain. Yeah, the very large head and large goiter. And yeah, his, I, uh, you know, for all of you when you do watch it, you probably don't want to watch many scenes with that guy in it anyway. So. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, so yeah, so we award the Franklin Award. We got the deaths out of the way, and I'm telling you, uh, Beast is just a beast. You know, at this point, big props to Beast. Yes. Uh, We'll, we'll definitely give credit where credit's due on that one. Um, next segment. Well, that was dumb. Uh, or, I don't know, we're calling it kind of nitpicks as well. You know, <laughs> that we kind of stupid things that we see throughout the movie that you're just kind of scratch. What, aha moment? Not aha moments, but scratch your head moments, I guess. What do we want to call I'm it? I'm even going to add um, to this to this um, specific uh, segment is that I feel like we should add um, some of like, the kind of unnecessarily funny parts, like they were unnecessary oh, yeah. but funny in some way. Um, I think we're going to add some of those in too, and I've got one for this movie. All right. So, well, the first one is, <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say, all right, so they get into the accident. The sales phones salesman gets his phone out. They're in the middle of the desert, and all he can bitch about is, man, I have no service. So the cell phone sales guy with no – like, why did that have to be his his career, yeah, yet you don't have cell phone in the desert? He could have just been, like, some computer guy. Like, it didn't right. make sense that he was a cell phone guy. So like, like, he didn't need that. Well, that was dumb, you know, like, relying on your cell phones. So – People, don't rely on your cell phones in horror movies. Again, I, I, I don't know how many times we have to tell you this. 
other than again maybe we're trying to push that Doug is so like not the typical American that he like works oh. for some like you know Japanese firm selling their cell phones and he's you know he's not the blue collar detective that Big Bob is so I don't know if they're trying to like give him something that's like to make you hate him more if you're if you're kind of on the Big Bob realm like if you're like yeah Big Bob's my guy then you're gonna hate Doug even more because he's some like you know again uh, tech nerd kind of guy. Uh, the, another one of that I had was, I think it's the, um, yes, it was the gas station attendant smoking a cigar at a gas station and Doug mentions, or is it Big, Big Bob, Bob mentions, uh, you're not supposed to smoke around a gas station. And then he just says his line back is, well, at least we can still breathe with a cigar in his mouth. Uh, at least we can still breathe. Um, <laughs> I was just like, wow, irony on top of irony. And <laughs> one guy's trying to warn another guy about how, smoking around a gas station. And the other guy's, well, at least I can still breathe. And it's just like, dude, you won't for a long time. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you will, you, you could get cancer, buddy. So we're going to be talking a little bit of that, like Americanism, where it's like, you know, duh, uh, Big big Bob saying, hey, don't you know it's illegal that you can't do that? And uh, the gas station owner is kind of coming back saying like, well, at least you can still breathe as if like, you know, at least there's some freedoms you still have, even though you're kind of like given all these other, you know, it's kind of a, uh, and fitting probably to this day. <laughs> or it's also a prelude to, I'm sending you through the hills and you're not going to be breathing anymore. True. So, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. another like, uh, underlying thing there that I'm sure he's just trying to, you know, over the top line, boom, you're just kind of like, well, don't, don't deliver that line with a cigar. <laughs> cigar in your mouth is my point he just is like ah that, that something doesn't look right yep. so well that was dumb you got any i, I mean I, I think i got a couple more i can easily come up with but what else you got um so i got a few number one um don't put a dog in a car when it's a uh, hundred degrees. Um, not that the car didn't have windows but or had no windows it was a broken down car but um uh, Doug puts a uh, beast inside a car as he and goes he, to and try he just to stay, and the dog listens. The dog listens. Like, all right, which is kind of funny because they also have him on like a fucking four inch leash the whole movie. It's <laughs> so, like this dog is on the tightest leash of all time, yet the dog's very well behaved and listens to all commands. Um, well, Beauty, no, I'll say, no, ran away. So, but and beast, got and met its you know you know maker with uh, getting gutted. So maybe you know Doug's trying to protect the dog, also protect himself because this dog's a badass. So he's like, I need you four inches from me <laughs> but then why like, leave him in the car when he goes to when he goes to yeah, find why the, unless he's trying to be quiet when he yes. goes to get the baby he's not he does at this point doug's like i don't want to kill anything i just want my baby back like he's not oh, i that, want my baby back baby back another american reference right there yeah. <laughs> chili they don't They're not to, a sponsor. They they, ch- <laughs> they celebrate at Chili's after the. the so Doug's got a baseball bat that he uses. Um, that's going to be his uh, his weapon of choice if he if he does have to get into some combat. I'm just going to say what's dumb is um, Doug's choking up like nine inches oh, on this God. bat. All right, and so I just want to say like Doug, you're not hitting for contact at this point. Like you got uh, you're an O and O count. We need you swinging for the for the fences here. The, the guy thought it was a football bat. You know, like he's <laughs> like I don't even know what the fuck this thing is, and he's like you know like never. It's like a foreign object to Doug. Yeah, he's he's very uncomfortable with it. Um but yeah, not not a good choice there. Um and I'll just say what's dumb is uh 
Big Mama's choice to watch Divorce Court. There's a lot of good daytime television. I think Divorce Court isn't necessarily the one that I'm going to watch if I'm yeah. Big Mama. Um, even out of the court shows, like maybe watch People's Court. Maybe we got Judge Judy. Divorce Court wouldn't be my yeah, cup maybe of Maybe it's tea. morning. We don't know the time of day this is. Maybe it's Price is Right. Is they shouldn't watch Price is Right. Yeah, so um, I, I agree. And obviously another what, what is dumb is the moment when Beauty runs off and Bobby has to chase after this dog in the middle of the night through the hills of the desert. Uh, it really kicks off. I'm just sitting there like, again, this is this is the point of this this segment is that's dumb. Don't go run after don't your run dog. <laughs> like this this is our point. We are the ones watching and said, well, don't do that. That that looks that looks dumb. Let the dog figure out what it's got to figure out. It'll come back home. Yeah, it's going to find a comfiest place to poop. Probably a shy yeah. pooper. Um, and one of the the funny scenes I have to comment on that I thought was pretty uh, excellent was um, when I think it's a uh, lizard. He's in the airstream um, when they first come to do their attack and they kill Big Bob. He sees a bird in a cage inside the airstream and he pulls the bird out and he's looking at it for a second and he twists the head off like it's a fucking Kool-Aid burst and then uh, dumps the blood into his mouth. <laughs> and I just thought it was like it was a. Uh, it looked like a it looked like a Kool Aid burst or like teeny drink commercial. <laughs> Snaps the head off. <laughs> Just snapping the head off. Uh, uh, hey, it's time for a squeeze it. Is that what they was called? Squeeze it. Squeeze it. Yeah. Mondo's. They had a lot of different ones that yeah. were like that plastic uh, squeezy with the top rip off. So, anyway, if you watch that scene, um, I would just challenge you to have a Kool Aid burst handy <laughs> and um, follow along with that scene. Pop the top off. Um, take it. You know, yeah, and it's, it's it's a chugging race at that point. Chug it. See Do if you, you can, think you can be. Can you? Yeah. Can you finish this Kool Aid burst? before lizard. lizard finishes the blood the bird blood yeah so uh another well that was not not well that was dumb so it, it, it's it's we alluded to this as we're having a conversation uh before the show started in our, in our show notes now we just watched this movie and i joke and that and that's what makes this podcast fun for us i was like did i just watch a movie or an nra commercial <laughs> uh because there there are moments where you know like you said uh let's let's go over the characters again big bob big bob you know american flags on his truck super american like he's a gun toter he's he, got a gun he's got like a a, a 44 magnum like this thing oh, is, yeah, he's, is, he's is locked massive. and loaded and Bobby, who's probably what 14, 15, 16 year old kid. I'll say 16. He's got he's got this nice Glock, you know, ready to go. And uh Doug, the <laughs> the uh just I don't I don't want to touch guns. I, I'll I'm shoot my foot off. I'm afraid I'll shoot my foot off. The NRA is probably just laughing their asses off right now. Just like, oh my gosh, this is great. We got two gun toting Americans, you know, with their with their guns and how how you know, father and son, and we're gonna go kill random people or I don't know, just protect our family. Yep. And and then you got you know Doug and and he gets picked on like what, Doug, he, yeah Doug's picked on the whole time like, by Big Bob alludes no matter to what. his 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 uh, uh, running party as 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 a, as an issue of why of <laughs> yep. why he doesn't want to deal with guns. So I'm sitting there just like, what is going on? Like, is the, is is there NRA pumping money into this, or is it just 
our French director just going, ha stupid Americans. Yeah, I think it's our French director <laughs> to some degree, like, this is what Americans do. <laughs> yeah, right. Father, son with guns out in the desert, we're going to go protect our family, whatever. So, uh, but then, and then, and then as, as it, but then Doug, you know, as, as the movie goes along and he, and he uses axes and baseball bats and he starts using all these other weapons to, to, to kill these mutants and protect his daughter and to avenge his wife, um, so then at that point, he just doesn't give a crap. And then finally, uh, he gets a shotgun and he's literally at the end of the movie, just like pounding Lizard to yep. save his daughter with it. And me and Eric are just looking at each other. When is he just going to fire the damn thing? He's like hitting him and with then it. And finally, he pulls the trigger and kills him. And the the trumpet noises that, that elude, this is like... Uh, chariots of fire type stuff. Yeah, you would think that this was like fireworks went off and they played like fucking Hulk Hogan's theme song over this. And yeah. he's just like... Dun, 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 dun. It's hey, like, it's so triumphant at the, this the point. The Democratic Doug fires away a shotgun to kill the last mutant to save his family. Horns ablazing. The score is just pumping like th- something triumphant. Yes. And then I just go, again, I digress. Is this an NRA movie or is this what is what just happened here? It's a huge commercial. Yeah, has has did the movie did the soundtrack swell at this point because he got his daughter back or because he finally used a fucking gun that he didn't want to use the whole movie? Now again, I I don't ha- uh, 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 let's get this straight. Uh, I don't have any opinions either way. Uh, so I'm I'm not being on that I'm not being on that fence here. I'm just saying it's funny <laughs> that this could be taken as an NRA commercial or a horror movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're 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 talking about the movie specifically. Like we're you know we're going to be extremely diplomatic and uh, and neutral as much as we can because we're not we're not judging anybody either way. We'll just say that this movie um, gives you a couple different points that you're like, what is the purpose of this other than to glorify something or to demonize something correct and we find humor we it, it seems humorous to be in a horror movie yes like, exactly it's like this is such a curveball <laughs> so uh i i sometimes not taken aback in a bad way just like huh is this the is this the message <laughs> like, yep. I, i'm not really sure i'm i'm, I'm here to be entertained <laughs> So are we on to um, the, the segment where we, we've tried to figure out... Um, what would you do? I think we're on... They ain't never going to be right. All right. Let's, yeah. They ain't never going to be right. Well, and it's good to do this a little bit later because usually the, they ain't never going to be right happens a little bit later in the movie to some degree. Um, this one, correct. not so much. Mostly at the end. Yeah, I could I could agree. But yeah, where do you got? They ain't never going to be right. So I think we go to the scene where they first come down to camp after they've uh, kidnapped Big Bob and so they got Big Bob burning and Big Bob's up there he's uh he's flaming like a rotisserie chicken and the mutants break into the airstream and I think they never gonna be right award um or uh, I guess trophy goes to Brenda because Brenda not only sees her her father get barbecued um she sees her sister get murdered. She sees her mother get murdered, and she gets raped by one of the mutants. And she uh, attempted. I, ho- I I I like to believe that didn't actually happen. <laughs> I don't know the drool on his face and the 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 glee that he has in his eyes and this the. the <laughs> she she seems more affected than everybody else after 
that scene kind of unfolds. Yes. So I think you kind of go with what that's probably what happened. So I'm going to go with um, Brenda specifically because she survives, but she's had to encounter all of these things and the additional piece um, that the others didn't have to go through. So I got to go with the award uh, for Brenda. And I'm going to go, um, spoiler alert, disclaimer. Um, I think it's going to be Catherine. Catherine's the baby. You know, like, what's st- what? what is Doug going to tell her? Yeah. Oh, oh! When you were like, I don't know, one, you were taken into the mines and into this fallout shelters of these people, mutants' homes, and they wanted to keep you as your, your own, and they were going to eat you and kill you, and um, oh yeah, your mother was was murdered by one of them with a with a forty four magnum. Uh, yeah, you know, sorry, Catherine. I don't know how you're going to twist that story. I guess Brenda becomes the new mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's not any, that's not any better. She's already you know her aunt Brenda is uh, already screwed up according to you. So she ain't never gonna be right. So who who and Doug, Jesus Doug, Christ, who? what he did? You know, like how is he gonna get enough time off to watch the baby from his his high, uh, you know? Yeah, uh, cell phones are about to boom, man. Yeah, the gonna, iPhone's coming out like next year, so he's gonna be a busy bee. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say in general, um, probably none of them are going to be right after this, but definitely there's a, there's parts where you see the the psychosis in some of their eyes. And um, yeah, you know, Catherine, poor baby, innocent baby, you're just sorry, you ain't never going to be right. You're not. Nope. So unfortunate. I I I, I kind of went dark there, but <laughs> no, it's, it, it's it's unfortunately true. You got to so. go dark. And now, what would we do? Yeah, so what would we do? Um, I'm just going to say it now, and it, uh, we'll be quick with this segment, and it's because of the director of the movie that really dictated this to me, is this slow, drawn-out, creeping through the house to not be seen to go get his baby. There are moments when finally Doug grabs the baby, Catherine. Big Mama's watching TV. He is trying his ass off not to make noise, and doesn't make it out of the house. Right. Because he's creeping. He gets knocked out by one of the mutants. I, don't I think know, his not. big mama comes around the corner. Yeah. So, dude, just grab the baby and, and, and run as fast as you can. Never look back. Yeah. Uh, dark. What, what is the hesitation there? Like, dart out of there. Like, yeah. She's going to know the baby's gone or the baby might cry. Like, you're, you're taking a better chance. You're already uh, pretty much out the door by the time big mama's getting out of her chair. Yeah, and she she must be pretty elusive. She just knocked his ass out. She's like kind of like the Bam Bam Bigelow, I think of um of the movie. She's like kind of a kind of a a, a bigger person, but is very swift, moves quick, and yeah, stealthy. So, and, and like I said, I blame the director for that. I get it. They were trying to build this tension, but they he, the director kept doing this throughout the whole movie. Where I'm just like, fucking go, run, run. This was finally me yelling at the TV like we always do. Get the hell out of the house. This is what would you do? Yeah. That was what would you do moment for me. Yeah, they. It's it's sort of. I know I've, I've mentioned like five different wrestling things already in this, but it's sort of like. In in typical wrestling, when like the good guys can't tag their partner for like however long, <laughs> yes. and they just keep bringing him back into the corner, and it's so unfair. And you're like, just please come on and tag, and they build that like suspense for so long, so there's a bigger payoff when it when it actually comes down. They may have overdone it, yeah. But I think again, if that's what they were going for, um, number one, they 
they were able to drag the movie out a lot longer than it should have been. Oh, yeah. Um, and we agree and, to that. And, it, it, we and said piss that. you off in the process. Yeah. Because you're like, just fucking move. <laughs> yeah. It, we were, and, and and to all you people, and we're, uh, you know, uh, we want you to watch it. We want you to listen to our podcast, go back and watch it again. But you'll notice that there are some trips and drabs as you go through the movie that even us, as we're taking notes on this thing, we had to fast forward. Yeah. You know, just because it's like, well, we know this is going to be like three minutes of just dead space of him walking around town. Like. We get it. You're building suspense. Probably better in a movie theater because you can't do that. Yeah. But at home, you guys can do that, and uh, you'll you'll know why. You'll, we'll, we'll we implore you to sit there and not yell at your TV. Yeah. Our goal was to make this an 83 minute movie, and we did. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. The only thing I have for what would you do is um, I'd probably fly from Cleveland to San Diego. <laughs> oh, there you go. Very, very simple. Let's not take the airstream. I don't know. There are seven people in a little. Uh, well, not. It's a very nice airstream. I'm it's, actually super jealous of it. I want it. Um, but uh, yeah, not not a great idea. You know, there's there's a lot of them. Seven. There's a baby. Like <laughs> yeah. even Brenda alludes to it. She's like, next time I'm going to Cancun. <laughs> Like yeah, I'm, they want margaritas. This, this sucks. Yeah, a little bit interesting that they all decided to do that. Um, but then in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's like you all leave and go into town. Like you all just walk together because you, you're not going to be able to fix the car, right? You, you, them yeah. staying there doesn't make any sense. Like they're not holding something down. They're not waiting for anybody. Like they should have all just walked to the gas station together and waited there because at least it's indoors. They've got drinks there. They've got food if they need it. It didn't make a lot of sense for them to stay in the desert and then have the two others split off and go try to figure out what was going to happen and then come back with help. They could have all walked. There was no reason they couldn't have all walked. It, I mean, I know it was, it was some miles, but Big Bob, Big Bob got there not too long. He well, got there before nightfall. Right. And another, well, that was dumb moment here is like these people are coming from Cleveland. Like, do, do, do they know if you get stuck in a desert, how cold it actually gets in the desert Yeah, and how warm it gets during the day? Like you can see the heat on them. They're sweating. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, they're bleeding, whatever. But it's breezy. But there's nights that they have to survive some, you know, at yeah. least two nights where it's just like, dude, it gets cold. And they're just dressed like, oh, we're from Cleveland. We, we can survive this. I'm like, yeah. nah, dude, it's a desert. <laughs> so um, let's let's uh you want to do alternate ending i know there was a segment we, it's a segment in debate right now yeah it's tough because we 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 can never figure out like you know what would have happened in this movie i think again we want you to watch it so we're not going to give too much away but after you see the triumphant in scene with um doug finally figuring out how to turn the gun the right way and shoot it um we get to see him reunite with the with the surviving members and then we get a flash of something that's a little bit, um, a little bit foreshadowing for what may happen, and the movie goes to the credits. So, in terms of an actual alternate ending, um, not a lot that we can do. Um, the only thing I can think of is that Ruby, who helps give back the baby to Doug, which is a little like mutant girl, yeah, you know, running around. She's and she's very interested in the humans. You can tell she wants to be normal, and so she is drawn to them, to the humans. And so I think she doesn't give the baby back. And maybe the alternate ending is that they have a little bit more of a fight to go in and find out exactly how many of these mutants are there and maybe less of them survive. So I think the only thing you really do differently, again, is that is that less people make it out alive and they've got to go in and really figure out what happens. But the reason I think they didn't do that is that we get a number two. Yeah. 
Not a number two. The movie wasn't a number two. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> they make a number two, which could be a but number two. But they made a number two later, right? 2006, they, they made a number two. They didn't make a number two back in the 70s, did they? I don't believe so. Right. So there was one. Yeah. And then the second genre, uh, the, the second comes out, right? They remake it, and then they do a sequel. A sequel. So- Hollywood was calling and you know they were just like oh, let's let's leave this open ended here. Yeah, they 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 knew it was going to be big I think and so I think it was a great way to leave it as a cliffhanger so they they could have seen like what's the success of the movie before they write and make a number 2 yeah. or it just ends with one of those scenes where you're like oh fuck and then you, you forget about it and it, it's a cliffhanger. You yeah. know, so either way they win. Yeah, and maybe maybe there's a scenario too here, uh, like 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 I mentioned about uh, Dan Bird, Bobby character. Uh, there, I mentioned it to Eric. I I looked at this guy as like I never want I want this be. I'm cheering for him to survive. Yep. As far as Doug, I just thought, all right, this guy's kind of a a wuss, and he's not gonna make it. Yeah. He he doesn't want to shoot a gun. I was like, dude, you're gonna meet your demise. You're gonna try to find get your baby, and it, it ain't gonna work out. And Brenda is the prototypical female lead that will get out alive bumped and bruised, right? right. Like survive right. somehow. So in this, in, in, to parlay or to jump on your back a little bit to just keep it going where, yeah, baby doesn't, baby stays with the family. So that sucks. That's dark. Yep. Doug lizard gets the best of him, you know, yep. right at that, at, yep. at that end scene. And then you, then you shoot to, uh, back over to Brenda and Bobby, brother and sister, and and they just somehow walk their way back to the gas station, and a, and somebody comes to take them away. Or so, or, so you have you have yeah. a, a glimpse of survivors, but then you have the unfortunateness of what happened with Catherine, which can still lead into the next movie, right? Uh, and and Doug's gone, or Brenda takes on the Doug role. Brenda takes on the more final girl approach where she's the one who like yeah she she, she makes the turn and she goes and she goes and yeah, gets they, her they didn't want that for this movie huh right. it was a male dominated mutants and all and and uh, survivors and all so it's very very male dominated females were just there to get killed yeah they did yeah they didn't they didn't follow a, a prototypical kind of horror style in that way um, although they they definitely they definitely could have. They could have gone either way, they yeah. could, and they sh- and they probably should have, you know, maybe yeah, you know, or maybe Doug dies and Lynn, the 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 sister who who was murdered, she's the one who, after she's avenging her husband's death, and she's she plays the Doug role, yeah, like they could have done it, they probably could have done it that way, yeah, and probably everyone would probably have said, oh, good, Doug's out way in the beginning, yeah, because you don't like you don't really like Doug, you like yeah, him at the end because you're he's like he's fine, yeah, but you're like. Eh. They didn't really set him up to be that much of a douchey character. He's he's not our Franklin, obviously. But you know, there was moments where yeah, I couldn't fix the AC. Little Bobby had to help him. He seems yeah. kind of incompetent. He's a cell phone guy. Doesn't really want to be there. He's trying to play that role, but then he becomes the hero. Yeah. So they, it kind of makes a quick quick turn for him. All right, last final segment here. Rate the soundtrack or score. Um, we alluded to the, the, the triumphant score at the end. <laughs> That's probably where we'll leave it right there. But I think this is the, our first movie where, because it was remade, actual music was very overlaid into this. Um, one, you know, I'll, I'll add my piece. 
you know, one of the first songs that I heard were the Mamas and the Papas, California Dreamin', yep. Right Away. Very, you know, if you know the lyrics of that song, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it alludes to they're they're making a trip to California. Yep. And it's exactly what's happening here. The song's telling a story. It was perfect product placement for the Mamas and the Papas, but this also goes to my theory what time period are we in? Right. <laughs> like, even the soundtrack is from the 70s. Because it sounds like they're playing it out of the airstream almost. Correct. Like, she's, like, listening to it as she's landing. Right. So that's why I'm like, I am confused what time period this is. <laughs> well, it's very fitting in the scene because it's like you've got Brenda and she decides to make the best of her situation and she's laying out in the sun yep. in the desert while they're waiting for help to come. California Dreaming comes on. She's clearly wishing she was there right at that moment. Yep. Um, and so, like, definitely fitting with the the dreaming aspect of it. But um, also just that it's, like, it's a kind of a lighthearted, somewhat upbeat song. And you're waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a, an interesting uh, place to drop that song because it's kind of happy-go-lucky and... We at any moment we know something bad's going to happen, and it happens pretty soon after that when you start to first see the mutants. Yeah, if they, and if they really wanted to play more with that song, obviously, as as they're singing the song, they they they're on their way. They start in the lyrics. They stop into a church. They get on their knees and they pray. Um, in that moment of the song, and of what I've always remembered of that song is that it, you know, like I said, it's lighthearted, but it's like. There was a sad moment. Like the guy had to like stop and kind of figure out what you know, gather himself, why he's going to California, and I'd be safe and warm if yeah. I was in L.A. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know, it's kind of saying, yeah, you're, you know, you're you're fucked. <laughs> you you're, you're stopped in the desert. You're you're not where you're supposed to be, and you're not going to make it there either. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you. There's there's some great songs. They kind of all are in the same vein. There are a lot about a lot of songs about summer and sun, and they're lighthearted songs. And they're kind of a lot of them are in kind of more of a country um, or pop element. And so, I would say in general, the standout song to me that's like most recognizable during that scene that really builds to the next scene is exactly what you said. It's California Dreamin'. Yeah. Um, I would say in general, the soundtrack. Um, to me is is well done because again it's not trying to bring in some sort of like hoobastanky like kind of uh heaviness which would have killed this movie and that's what was right. good about the soundtrack i guess I, what i'm saying is i like how i didn't know what time period this right. was yeah that was my you know that's 100 percent my point and that's why it plays well yeah it's 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 more old-fashioned than it is new yeah and yet they're talking about cell phones, and you can tell based on the stylings. Which, to be honest, you could have gotten rid of that whole element, and yeah. I would have no idea when this movie was made, and I don't care. It could have been a nitpick. You know, like, well, why don't you just get on your cell phone and call for help? Yeah, without I think even, that was the point. Now you can't. You're in the middle of the fucking desert. Yeah, without changing anything except for the cell phone, realistically, and well, in the Airstream, they probably could have said this movie took place in the 70s right. and it would have played. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it's like an old-ass Winneb- Winnebago. Yeah, it would have like, worked just fine. I would have like, no idea what time period this The is. car graveyard has a bunch of like 70s Volkswagen oh, Beetles man, and shit. we just brought like, up the car graveyard now. There's a car that, graveyard. That, Similar. Seven different graveyards. So our, we're digressing for a moment here. Just for a moment. But... There is a moment where Doug finds this car graveyard and then the camera spans out. So Doug has yeah. no fucking clue. 
he just sees it. Wow, why are all these cars all broken down here? Like something's afoot. Derpa derpa derpa. It's I'm super dead. ominous. <laughs> and then the screen, and then the camera just shoots up to like thirty thousand feet, and then you see seven craters. Yep. Of car graveyards. So these people, these mutants, have been doing this for a long, long, long time. We can assume four or five decades. Yeah. And that's when I that that could be a shit gets real moment where as a viewer, you're like, whoa, th- this is not their first rodeo, people. Definitely not. That so, gas. So- and, and I don't know what the gas station attendant was doing with all this money, but he wasn't using it to better his shop. That's for sure. Even though no, he's collecting what the hell? Or himself. The guy <laughs> looked like a complete Mihoff. He looked like my <laughs> my Pop Warner football coach. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good coach, a little bit, a little bit heavy on the defense, but and cigars, <laughs> and cigars, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say in general, the soundtrack, the the score, the score was good. It was eerie enough. It was it was subtle enough. It didn't overplay. And then the triumphant music um, made sense with the scene. Maybe it was a little bit overly triumphant. Yes, over overly. I would, I would say they kind of notched. But it up I think a bit. I think it was building to what you see right at the end. I think they wanted it to seem so glorious and such a win, and a and and that everything was going to be good, and then it kind of cuts out and goes to. It was like a full blown orchestra type, yep. music at the end. But I but, think, but as you go through the movie, I don't really remember other than the songs, like the soundtrack yep. of sounds. There wasn't a lot. I mean, there were sounds like MSME, you know, like yeah. that type of sounds. Yep. But uh, like wind blowing or fire or, you know, like you hear things, but you, there was no like overtone of like a violin during a scene. It just wouldn't have fit. You're in the desert. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the point that they were making from the movie. It's desolate. It's quiet. You're you're pretty much on the moon. Yeah, unless you're going to hear like dueling banjos. There's not a lot of music that makes <laughs> sense with, with that whole scene. Yeah, which, you know, maybe we need a little bit more string, you know? <laughs> But I'll say in general, the soundtrack to me, um, with with that California Dreaming being part of the soundtrack, um, I would say it's probably like a seven or eight out of ten. There you go. Yeah. So we, we're, we're, it gets it's, it's not the upper echelon, but you know, he's knocking at the door. Very you different. Know? Yeah, it, it's, it's very different from what we've seen before. There's some songs I would have liked to hear, and so I want to add that into our segments every time. Um, like I think, for instance, when they're burning Big Bob. Blue Easter Cult, Burning For You would have been a great track to put on there. Oh my God. Just saying, we could have we could have thrown that in there. Um, uh, there's probably more. Maybe when Big Mom was watching Divorce Court, they could have played some Queen, Fat Bottom Girls. I, I'm just saying they could have had some options yeah, she, here. Instead of watching that, she could have watched some MTV music video of what was going on at that time. and just. No, it, no, no. MTV didn't have music videos at that time. <laughs> oh, wow. We already got out of that. So... Right, it's 2006. Well, so we think. <laughs> That's why it's very interesting. Well, she's watching Divorce Court, so we can assume that it's it's definitely later in the game. <laughs> True. And like you said, the cell phone that Doug pulls out is in this big brick. It's it's actually Yeah, it's like a it's like a Nokia kind of like you could tell it's like mid 2000s like technology was almost there but not quite. Like you said iPhone's going to be released pretty yeah, soon after that this. year, maybe a year later, whatever. It's like, it's like, hey man, iPhones are coming. This guy's going to be a busy man. <laughs> Good old Doug. Um, yeah. So I, I think, think we, I, I think we wrapped it up, man. So 
in general, you should definitely watch the movie. We're going to go back and watch the original, um, and maybe you all should as well, yeah. um, just to see how much some of the stuff plays, because I think we may have been pushing hard on um, on the director for making some of these choices, but they may be a lot of... Um, Maybe you know, it makes more sense because it's, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of anti-American sentiment or yep. whatever uh, throughout this movie and not not understanding why in 2006 this was an element. Yeah. Um, but maybe it made more sense in the 70s because of the fallout, the, yeah. how these communities were treated. Uh, and again, I don't know, like, is, is this something that, is this actual a thing? It never alludes to that, Right. Right. It just says, you know, it, it keeps it pretty open-ended to say, well, like Area 51, what do, what do we know other than what the government actually wants to tell us? And I think this is just somebody kind of opening up the Pandora's box of like, what if there was testing like this and hidden communities that were affected and we don't know about it? Yep. So that's, that's the creepy element of the movie. And maybe... The original is better at that storytelling. Definitely. Uh, and it doesn't make sense in 2006 because you're kind of like, wait, so they're just sitting there for 50 years doing this over and over and over and nobody nobody goes and tries to stop it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, more nitpicks, but uh, it, we could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, and so what, what we want to do going forward as well is we would like we, – we've – Jay and I have come up with a handful of movies that we want to do pretty soon. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to cut them all up and put them in a bucket and we will choose them at the end of each episode um, as a way to kind of uh, pick our our next episode without having to get too far into it. Um, But we actually want to ask the viewers or listeners, I guess, um, go on to our Instagram and either DM us, comment on the last photo that comes up. What do you want us to do? Yeah. Is there a specific movie you really want to have us go through our segments on? Anything you're really passionate about? Um, we want to add that to the mix, um, and then we will start that segment of pulling, um, ep- you know, pulling our next episode um, on our next episode. Right. This episode will drop tomorrow, Monday, June yep. 21st. Uh, so go ahead and listen. We're going to give you all your listeners at least three or four days to figure that shit out. Either you can text us directly if you know us, you, you listen to us, yep. call us, whatever. This is going to be dedicated to that listener, customer feedback. We're going to listen to it. That person gets to play along uh, from afar. But we're giving you the opportunity. If we don't hear back of anything, then we're just going to, like you said. We've got a list. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pick, no problem. Uh, but you guys won't know until Thursday. Yeah, there's stuff that I think we need, maybe we need to get out of our comfort zone. I think some of these movies are things that we've already seen or they're things that we feel comfortable with. But give us something new. Yeah. Give us something that you, we maybe it's something we need to we need to dive into and, and get a little bit different sense of uh, some of the movies that we maybe wouldn't, we would pass over at the video store if there still was one. And obviously <laughs> we've tried to do, I, I think we alluded to it, from different uh, decades. We've done 70s, 80s, 90s. 2000s. 2000s, yep. So we've kind of hit the first four shows through the decades. But, uh, you know, I think our next show, if we don't hear back from somebody, is going to be one of those OGs. Like one of the, we don't know what, in our minds, we, unless somebody interjects, it's either Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. Agreed. One of those is happening, so be prepared. Yeah, we're going. We're going to. We're going to one of the originals. Yeah. So we we already know that we have to hit that. Uh, the fact that we haven't hit it in the first four shows is fine. Uh, we're we're just getting very comfortable with our segments and how we're how we're dialoguing. 
with and we have strong feedback on that so now we're ready to go with one of the ogs and and, and try to do it justice yeah, there's a bu- lot about bu- there's buckle a lot up. there yeah buckle up so yeah. all right everyone well yeah. thanks for listening yeah and we'll catch you next week peace out later